You're listening to the Sunday podcast from LifePoint Church in Santan Valley, Arizona. We hope you're encouraged by today's message. For more information, visit us online at lifepointaz.com. Good morning, everybody. Second service. Good to be with you. Um, so who was here for Christmas Eve service? Hands up. Did you enjoy it? Despite the rain, did you enjoy it? <laughs> Which, give a... Pastor Joe, the worship pastor, give him a, a giant hug when you see him. There's a lot of, we did a lot of physical church work along with him putting together a presentation for Christmas Eve service. So he, he about killed himself in every way possible before the service even started. So give him a big hug when you see him next. So I knew I had this week coming up because this is the official youth pastor week of speaking the lead pastor gets the week off between Christmas and New Year's. That's kind of typical in many, 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 many churches. Joe talked about it last year. He made fun of that last year. Um, and I have so many lessons that I go through with junior high saying, I would so love to talk to adults on this lesson. And so I had this opportunity. So I took a couple of my lessons, kind of jammed them together. And this is what God gave me. And uh, it was just so beautiful. We have different worship music for the, the classic service, the eight o'clock service than we do for second and third service the contemporary services, and the songs that, that the team had here lined up for the contemporary service, it's just perfect for the lesson that God gave me for you today. I was just, it's so good when the Holy Spirit works like that. I love that so much. And he does that so much. <laughs> it's so awesome how God works. So again, it's the beginning of the new year right around the corner. Everyone talks about losing weight, eating right, exercising, being financially smart, uh, you know, whatever else, being a better, more loving person, whatever it is, we make our resolutions and we try to stick to it. Come February, we've totally failed for the most part, but it's that time of year. Well, that in mind, uh, kind of bringing the, the thought into hand of, are you going to be living for Christ through this next year the way as Christians, as followers of Jesus, we should be living for Christ? And so the title of my lesson is, are you ready to go like Matthias? How many of you know Matthias? There's one, there's two, there's a couple of you, three, four, just a handful of you. Not a really well-known person. There's another person that goes hand in hand with him. His name is Joseph, otherwise known as Barsabbas and Justice. And these were the two guys that come to mind when Peter stands up after Jesus has ascended into heaven. And we know Judas Iscariot, he's already dead. He betrayed Jesus, and Peter steps up and says, you know, the Old Testament, he literally said Old Testament. I swear he did. Okay, he didn't. That's not in the Bible. It wasn't made yet. New Testament wasn't written yet, so he couldn't. Um, anyway, he said in Psalms, it states that we need to replace Judas here with another apostle. So who's been with us since Jesus was baptized by John the Baptist up into him ascending up into heaven? And it came down to Matthias or Matthias, however you want to say that, and, and Joseph. And Matthias gets the nod from God. So we're going to read that real quick. It is in Acts 1. The verses it talks about this whole conversation is 15 through 26, but I've already told you half of this conversation. So let me see where we need to be. We're going to start in the last sentence of verse 20. So Acts 1, last sentence of verse 20, where it's quoting Old Testament, may another take his place of leadership. Verse 21, 
Therefore, it is necessary to choose one of the men who we have been with the whole time the Lord Jesus was living among us, beginning from John's baptism to the time when Jesus was taken up from us. For one of these must become a witness with, with us of his resurrection. So they nominated two men, Joseph called Barsabbas, also known as Justice, and Matthias. Then they prayed, Lord, you know everyone's heart. Show us which of these two men you have chosen to make... O- to take over his apostolic ministry, which Judas left to go where he belongs. Then they cast lots, and the lots fell on Matthias. So he was added to the 11 apostles. So besides the fact that he was with Jesus since the baptism to the ascending into heaven, we we can't match that with Matthias or Joseph. So we can't match that, you and I individually, because we didn't walk with Jesus. We can read about it, but we weren't there in seeing firsthand him performing the miracles, him speaking, speaking to everybody on the lessons. We weren't there to hear that firsthand, so we can't be apostles. But at the same time, we can be like Matthias and his other qualities that he had, his other characteristics, the way he followed Jesus till his death, the way he spread the word. If he's one of the, the, the apostles, he had to be doing this. And we likewise, when we accept Jesus as our Lord and Savior, are called to do the same thing as what the apostles did. If you look on the back wall, if you've looked that way, as you've left, it has Matthew 28, 19, the Great Commission. Go therefore out into all the world, basically tell people about Jesus, baptize them, build them up in the word. And each and every one of us who accepts Jesus as our Lord and Savior are given that same task to do in our lives, the same tasks that the apostles did 2,000 years ago. And I'd say they did quite well, don't you think? Yeah, maybe, possibly. So, if we're going to be like Matthias, we got to get our hearts and our minds and our souls in the right perspective as he was. So we're going to use Colossians to look at that, to look at those characteristics, those mindsets that we should have, those things we should be throwing out of our lives to be able to uh, grow in this way if we're not there already. And even even if we're there already, We always have more growth that we need, always. We can always take another step closer in our relationship with Jesus. Before I get to Colossians, I'm gonna pray real quick. Dear Lord, just be with us here this morning, Lord. May we just lay ourselves to the side for this moment, Lord, and just listen to your word. Just investigate your word that we have in front of us, God. May you change our hearts. May you change our desires. May you, you, you change the way we look at this life here on earth, Lord Jesus. Speak to us, Lord Jesus. In your name we pray, amen. So I chose Colossians because it's chapter three is my favorite of of all time because it's it's about Christian living. We're going to start off in uh, chapter one in Colossians, but um, basically you take any book that Paul wrote to the various churches and they're just so full of great information to change your life. But we have Colossians. So we're first going to look at the supremacy of Jesus. Get that straight in our lives to begin with. So Colossians 1 verses 15 through 20 goes like this. The Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. If you're reading that part and you thought back to uh, John 1, 1 through 3, it's 
telling you the same information, isn't it? In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And then it goes to tell us that everything that was created was created through Him. Without Him, nothing was created. So it's telling us that same information. He is God. He is the creator. He is above all things. There is nothing higher than Jesus. In our lives, does that look that way? In our hearts, do we feel that way? In our minds, do we think that way? When we get up in the morning, is he the first thing we think of? Or when we wake up in the morning, is the first thing I think of is, oh, good golly, I got to go to work. Oh, better wake up the kids. Better do this. Better do that. If he is the Lord of lords, if he's the Lord of our lives, he should be first in everything that we do. And in Colossians, it's pointing us in that direction. He is the supreme. He is the almighty. Verse 18. And he is the, the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn among the dead. Dead, otherwise known as the flesh, mankind so that in everything he might have supremacy. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him. I love that word supremacy that uh, this version puts in there. He's the supreme. There is none better. He is everything. He should be everything within our lives, and everything should trickle down off of him. And when it happens in your life, when you do that in your life, it's a glorious thing. We'll, we'll get into that a little bit more later here. As you notice, Adam was the very first man created, right? But in these verses, it says that he is the firstborn among the flesh, that Jesus is the firstborn among the flesh. We get a, an idea to help us understand this a little better way back in the Old Testament in Genesis uh, 25, I believe it is, where uh, Rebecca and Isaac are having their, their twins. And you got Jacob and you got Esau, and Esau ends up being the first one to come out of the womb. They're fighting, they're battling with each other, trying to be the first out, but Esau ends up being the firstborn. And with the, uh, the ways of life back, back in their day, if you're the firstborn male, then you take on the family name, you get the, the, uh, the best fruits of the family, you get the most, more than the rest of your brothers and sisters of the inheritance of the family, you are the family name, you are put as head of the house, the household. Esau ends up giving up his birthright to Jacob, and Jacob becomes first. So he gives that over. Jacob becomes first. Jacob becomes the bloodline of Jesus as you go down the family tree. In the same way, Jesus, you think Jesus outdid Adam? You think he's a little bit better than Adam as a representative? Yeah, a little bit better representative. Just a little bit, yeah. <laughs> Being he was perfect and he died for us and rose again and conquered death. Yes, so he becomes the, head, the leader of mankind, right? Our main representative. Verse 19. For God was pleased to have all this fullness dwell in him. I already read that. Verse 20. And through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, or make peace through his blood shed on the cross. So again, Jesus, supremacy, he should be Lord of our lives. If we're claiming he's Lord of our lives, the Holy Spirit is in us, it should be about him. Everything else will fall into place if we focus upon him. So that should be our mindset and our heart from the get-go. Now let's look at uh, Colossians 2, verses 6 through 15. 
And its, its header is spiritual fullness in Christ. Ah, six. So then, just as you receive Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in him, rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught, and overflowing with thankfulness. Do we have an issue with thankfulness at all, ever, in America? No? No? Mankind in general on this earth today, we all are thankless. <laughs> we always want more. We always uh, need people to do what we need them to do, not not necessarily what should be done, but what we think should be done, right? It should be always better, always more, always our way. We are never thankful for what we have. If we have a new house, we go, oh, but look at those houses they just built over there. We need one of those now. They're bigger, they're better. They have more garage space. That'd be my mindset. <laughs> we're, we're never thankful. Okay, we're not never thankful, never, never thankful, but you know. <laughs> we, we can work in that area. Verse 8, see to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy, which depends on human tradition and the element, elemental spiritual forces of this world rather than on Christ. Yes. Deceptive philosophy. Does that go on at all anymore today? Does that go on within the church today? A uh, major issue that we've had for the past couple of years is the whole idea of this is all about you instead of all about Jesus, that he's here just to make your life better, lead, have your best life now kind of thing. And it's like, it's not about us. It is all about him. He is going to bless us and it's going to be beautiful, but it's not going to necessarily be this, this glamorous position at some job. It's not going to be the nicest house within the neighborhood. It's not going to be the newest, fastest, greatest car. It's not going to be this bank account that's just overflowing. I have some friends that that is happening, and God blesses them because of the way they do their finances. But more than likely, it's not that way. It's in much better ways. It's in relationships. It's in building up the kingdom. It's in the way you treat your neighbor, and they just get so blown away that they go, whoa, what was that? <laughs> and they want some of that. We also have the false religions out there leading you astray and that kind of thing. So yes, there is the deceptive philosophy. Or another philosophy is whatever you like, that's good. If it's good for you, then that's good. Just so long as it doesn't trample on what's good for me. But, that, but that's good, right? It's a, it's a deceptive philosophy. But it spread like wildfire over the last couple of years. Verse 9. For in Christ, all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form. Do you get that? In Christ, in Jesus, all of the deity, all of God in bodily form. That whole math equation doesn't make sense to us. 100% man, 100% God. And in Christ, you have been bought, brought to fullness. He is the head over every power and authority. Did you get that? Every power and authority, including you and I. We think we're authority. We mislead ourselves. 11, in him, you were also circumcised with a circumcision not performed by human hands. Your whole self, ruled by flesh, was put off when you were circumcised by Christ. Circumcision. You know what Old Testament circumcision is? I really don't understand how that sets you apart and help you identify to the other communities of your Hebrew. So it's a little confusing. If you don't know circumcision, go look, them up, look it up afterwards. But, because um, I don't want to get into that. 
especially with your, your kids. Um, but it's, you know, the males would be circumcised. Abraham came to God and said, this is how they will know that you are my people. I got to ask God when I get to heaven, you got to explain how they made that known. Hi, Hebrew. Oh, yeah, yeah. I'm not. Got it. I don't know. But when it comes to the circumcision of the heart and of the body, in Romans, it talks about the circumcision of the heart. Paul going the same direction with circumcision. You are marked. You are changed. And I love the fact that God put that in Old Testament so we could understand we are marked, we are changed in New Testament. That part I totally get and understand. It's awesome. Our hearts are changed. We now no longer care so much about us, or we shouldn't. We do, but we shouldn't. We care about those around us. We care about their well-being because our Jesus is not in their lives yet, and we want them to have that blessing that we have, that Holy Spirit inside of us. We want that for them. My dad's in his 80s, and he's, 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 I'm trying to explain the state. He's, he's in a home, and he is pretty much wheelchair-bound because he doesn't attempt to exercise. He doesn't attempt to eat. He doesn't attempt to drink. Water, that is, the stuff you're supposed to drink. Through his life, he made many attempts to drink, and he did it very well. We don't have a great relationship. We have a relationship, not a great relationship, because that was his God for most of his life. So now he's in a state where he's miserable. He pretty much just wants to die. And all of us brothers, God is awesome. We didn't grow up in a Christian home. We didn't grow up going to church. And all my brothers and I are Christians. Hallelujah. Praise God. <laughs> he's flipping awesome. So it's like... We don't want dad to die yet because dad still hasn't accepted Jesus as his savior. And he's made that quite clear. And he acts quite clear about that. So although I don't really, you know, what is it? Father, son, love the guy. I love the guy because Christ calls me to, to love them, right? I don't have that relationship there. And it's like, if he dies, my life's not going to change that much. But my heart is aching for him to know Jesus. Because I know what that change was within my heart. That stands out. We should stand out that way when we go to Walmart, when we're walking in our neighborhoods, everywhere we go, we should stand out and people should just jump back and go, whoa, that was different. What is in that person? It's the Holy Spirit. It's the love of Christ within that person. Am I in 13? I think I am. When you were dead in your sins and in your uncircumcision of your flesh, God made you alive with Christ. He forgave us all our, our sins. Having, having canceled the charge of our legal indebtedness, Old Testament, Levitical law, all tells us we are sinners. We can't keep up to God's law. We can't be perfect. We're indebted to that until we accept Jesus. Having canceled the charge of our legal indebtedness, which stood against us and condemned us, he has taken it away. Get this, people. Nailing it to the cross and having disarmed the powers of authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing, triumph, can't say triumphing, over them by the cross. All of your sins, some of us get caught up in our sins or we get caught up in other people's sins and how it's holding us back or them back, right? Right? He made a public spectacle of all of our sins 2,000 years ago. So whatever that thing is where you're, you're, you feel like it's tugging on you, making go, oh, I can't serve God because I've, I've done this and he won't let me serve him because I'm a bad example of him. It was 
done away with on the cross 2,000 years ago. It doesn't exist anymore in Jesus' eyes, in God's eyes. Give it to him. If you're stuck in the middle of a sin right now, give that to him. Repent, turn the other direction from it, and move on. But don't hang on it because you're going to be focusing on garbage instead of focusing on the beautiful work that God has for you that's going to bless your life as you go through the years on this earth. So get rid of it. Don't think about it. Don't let it hold you back. It has nothing on you. I love that public, public spectacle. It's just perfect. He laughed at it and said, you are dead. All right. So let's move on, shall we? Say yes. Thank goodness. All right, chapter three. We're going to be going through five through 15, verses five through 15. So getting our hearts straight, focus on Jesus. He's number one. Forget your sins. Now we're going to be talking about how we should be living literally how we should be living. And like Galatians with the uh, acts of the flesh and then the fruits of the spirit, it goes through the negative. This is what you want to stay away from. This is what you don't want to do anymore. And then it goes into the fruits. This is how you want to live. These are the good things. Verse five, put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, greed, which is idolatry. Can I tell you, through my studies of watching the world and reading the Bible and going Old Testament, New Testament, Old Testament, New Testament, can I, I think sexual impurities, sexual sins are the things that just takes all other sins and drags them to your surroundings. Sexual sin seems to be the forefront of what drives everything else that is evil and is bad. And if you look into rep representation of sex within and marriage and what that represents, I think it, it amplifies this thought that I have about these sins. Because marriage and the husband and wife come together as one is an example of, Jesus makes, uses it several times, the examples of the church coming together with Jesus, becoming one. So obviously, if you're outside of that, I think in God's eyes, that's absolute evil because he has this representation for what that means towards him and towards his love for all of us. And if you look at societies, if you go through history and you see like the Greeks and the Romans and then Europe and then us in America these days, you see how that sexual immorality starts spreading and gets more acceptable by everybody and it grows and grows and grows and becomes bigger you see those societies collapse and fall apart. It goes hand in hand with it. This is the research I've done. If you'd like to look into that further, feel free to do so. <laughs> All right, moving on. And those other items that come off after the sexual immorality, the impurity goes hand in hand with that. The lust can go hand in hand in that. These can be individual things and go different directions, but if you notice, they all form out of that. Lust, evil desires, turn into greed, turns into idolatry. It's something you've got to have. You put it above God and everything else. All right. Verse six. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived, but now you just, oh, you must also rid yourself of all such things as these. Anger, rage, malice, slander, excuse me, filthy language from your lips. Do not lie. I'm going to stop half sentence there. So you got anger and rage. Um, how many of you have gotten angry within the last 24 hours? 
And was it righteous anger? No. <laughs> we had one person last service says, yes, it was righteous. Good for them. They did a great job. <laughs> the rest of us are sorry little sinners. <laughs> Jesus knocking over the temple tables because they're making a mockery of God's house. That's righteous anger. For us, for the most part, it's us being upset because you didn't do things my way. Um, you won't do for me. Um, you know, it's all about us. We're the focus of, of the anger. You did whatever to me, so you're upset. It's not righteous anger. So the anger and then the rage builds off of that. Malice and slander. Uh, Heather talked about that two weeks ago as she's talking about gossip. And filthy language from your lips. I want to hit that for just a minute here. Have a, have a great Mike story on that one. Um, way back in the day, I used to be an uh, assistant manager for fast food. And I worked at Burger King for 13 glorious years. It was so much fun. It was just a very easy job where I didn't have to think. And then I could do whatever else on the side. So that's why I kept that for so long. And I was being paid fairly well for, for that time. Um, but during that time, when I went into fast food life, I was a very sweet, awesome, good teenage kid. I was a really good kid. You can even ask my mom, she will tell you. Yes, I got into trouble, but I was a really good kid. Very clean mouth, pure thoughts, all that kind of thing. As you get into the uh, first line of, of employment types of jobs, it's mostly teenagers or young 20-somethings, and they're away from the home, so they feel they can just say and do whatever they want because, like, they're in charge of themselves now. They're the boss of them. And so nasty stuff comes out of the mouth because at that age, that's all you're thinking about anyway. So... Um, so just continuous coming in. So if it's garbage coming in, garbage is eventually what's coming out. So clean, beautiful, perfect, not perfect, <laughs> little Mike turned into nasty mouth, disgusting, filthy Mike. So years went on. Uh, I had this awesome employee. She was just an awesome employee as far as work goes in the first place. Her name is Veronica Ward. Um, so cool. This is over 25 years ago, and she will not leave my memory because she was so awesome in this moment. Um, one particular night, getting closer to closing time, a uh, couple employees there, she's one of them, and whatever trash comes out of my mouth, and I say something filthy, nasty, gross, whatever it was, and I walk around the corner, and then Veronica comes up to me and says, Mike, are you a Christian? And at the moment, being prideful and stupid as I was, I was like, she noticed I'm a Christian. And then I thought about it for a second and went, oh, <laughs> she just slapped me in the face, didn't she? And as I laid there in bed that night, I went, oh, she is so right. I am a bad representative of Christ. I've got to clean this up. I've got to stop this. Eventually, I left the job so I could grow better in Christ and actually have a ministry of off, off of my actions and such, because there, I just destroyed everything. I had, I had nothing there, so I had to move on. But... I thank God for Veronica Ward because that was such a great slap in the face from God to go, get it straight, boy. You, you be saying the right things. You're here to lift people up, not tear them down. Moving on. Verse 9. Do not lie. Do not lie to each other. Since you have taken off your old self with its practices and have put on a new self, which is being renewed in knowledge in the image of, of its creator. Here there is... I'm sorry, here there is no Gentile, Jew, circumcision, uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, or free, but Christ in all and is in all. There's no cliques in church. 
I know we do have some in LifePoint. We have less than other churches, but we still have some in LifePoint. But they need to go. There is no social levels in church. We are all one. We are all on the same level playing field. We are all sinners. We are all loved by Christ. We are all here to serve him. We are the church. We are the body. He is the head. So that has to go aside. That cannot be, or it destroys his church. So that's the nasty stuff you shouldn't have. Now it gets into the stuff that you got to have. Verse 12, therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, close yourself with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. If you just thought of the fruits of the Spirit, you're in the right place. 13, bear with each other and forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgive, forgave you. Who's still hanging on the grudges? Anybody? Anybody going to slip that hand up? <laughs> Probably not, right? <laughs> we got to let that go. We need to forgive. How bad, nasty, filthy, disgusting, horrible have we been to our Jesus even today? We got to think about that. How many times have we gone against Jesus just in our day? And he forgives us. How can we not forgive one another, especially brothers and sisters in Christ? 14, and over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect harmony. Who's got 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 8 memorized? Anybody? Anybody? You don't have to say it. I just want to know if you got it memorized. No? She's just rubbing her head. Okay. <laughs> love is patient. Love is kind. Does not envy. Does not boast. Finish it off. I can't remember the rest of it. But as you look at the examples given in Colossians up in verse 12, it's heading in the same direction. That is love, being compassionate, being kind, being humble, being gentle, being patient. Humble, humility, and patience is huge in our lives as Christians. Because we think, oh, such a nasty sinner, I would never have done that, but I did that a couple of years ago. But we forget about it, right? We need to be humble, we need to be patient. And then the rest of those things start to flow in. If you can conquer 1 Corinthians love, if you can do that on a regular basis really well, you've got this living for Christ thing done quite well. It's hard to do, though. Just an FYI, hard to do. Those are the things we need to focus on. Verses 15 on. Here we go. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since, it, since as members of one body you were called to peace, and be thankful did you catch that? And be thankful. We started off with being thankful. It closes with being thankful. Because we always want more. Oh, if we had more money, we could add more stuff for this Christmas. Oh, if I had a better job, then things would go well. Oh, if my husband or wife would do this, then our marriage would be so much better. Oh, if those darn kids would just behave, that kind of thing. We go on with that again and again and again and again and again. What I always, for my marriage, I got it pretty simple. I got one on most of you people. Um, when I think about my marriage, I go, she led me to Christ. Dang it, I gotta be thankful. <laughs> no matter what she, Colleen does, she's the one who led me to Christ. She prayed with me the prayer of salvation. So I go, that's a pretty awesome wife. She has no flaws. Okay, let's move on. <laughs> we gotta be thankful. God has provided for us. We, we supply, we were just talking about the Apache reservation that go up to in January to build another house. You have a house where you live with, with just your family, right? Maybe you have a person living with you or such, a mother-in-law or something, but it's basically just you. We have these 
In America, we have these 22-square-foot homes with four people average living in them, and the reservation has 25 people in the 800-square-foot house. I went to Cambodia several years ago, and you have all these families, like 20 people in these shack things that are up on stilts for the rainy season so they don't drown. And I come back, and they were just building, this is a long time ago, they were just building those four or 5,000 square foot houses on Chandler Heights, and I was going, silly Americans. We're never thankful. We never have enough. We always want more, 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 more. As Christians, we need to be thankful. So if we're going to place these in our lives and strive for them, God, Jesus, is supreme. He is Lord of my life, as I've called him to be. And we're going to follow the characteristics that the Christians should live, humble, compassionate, kind. We're going to leave those sins behind. They've been made a spectacle of 2,000 years ago. They don't exist anymore. We will be thankful for this life that God has given us, and we live out this plan he has for us, being humble, being patient, being loving. Then we are going to be on that same realm as Matthias and Joseph and the other apostles for that matter and the other disciples of that era that lived for Jesus to their death because they knew he was the Messiah. He was the Lord of their lives. We need to have that same mindset. We need to have that same heart because we're, we're following the same Jesus. The same Holy Spirit has that same power and everyone else who doesn't have him needs him. Let's pray. Dear Lord, God, I pray for me and I pray for our church that uh, we would aspire to be more like you, Jesus, that we'd take these words that, that you have for us in, in the New Testament of, of being loving, being kind, being humble, being patient, and being there for those in need, God, that we'd take that to heart, Lord, and that we'd place that within our lives, that we'd love you with everything we have, and then everything else would just spill over into the ones that are around us, be it our neighbors, people we don't know, our family within our homes, God. May you continue to use this church to better your kingdom. May we bring the light of Christ to Santan Valley and abroad and bring your love right through with it, Lord Jesus. Be with us. May you continue to bless us and thank you so much for all you do for us. It's in Jesus' name I pray, amen. Another thing that really helps me get in the right mindset and a heart and it inspires me and actually drives me to, to live stronger for Jesus is communion that we're moving into right now. So with communion, you have the two elements. You have the, the bread and you have the wine. And Jesus put this into place uh, at the Last Supper before he's, he's arrested and put on the cross. And they've eaten. And he gives to his disciples the bread. He says, take and eat. This is my body that is broken for you. Then he takes the wine and passes it around and says, drink this. This is my blood that was shed for you. Thank you. Stubby fingers couldn't grab it. Um, as you come up and do this and do it on, at, your, at your own time, have your conversation with God, talk to Jesus, and just let your heart focus on the fact of what he did for you. This is the Lord of Lords, the Kings of Kings. God Almighty came down into the form of his creation to save it from itself. He didn't cause the issue, we did. But he came to fix it. And he still desires that relationship with us. Focus on that as you do your communion. Thank you.